Hi, this is Krista from Bowler X Pro Shop. You're listening to the Above180.com podcast. Don't forget to stop by BowlerX.com. Register for your free $750 Brunswick Arsenal. And also check out some of our great deals. And always, free shipping on every item every day. Jet Bowling is a proud sponsor for Above180.com. Want your score to soar with a new Jet Altitude or any other great ball in the current lineup? Go to JetBowling.com, enter coupon above 180, and listeners can get a great discount. Jet Bowling, taking your game to a maximum altitude. Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowlers Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Above180.com crew member Dustin Markowitz had a chance to sit down and chat with former PBA member Eric Forkel regarding the current state of bowling. The opinions expressed during the interview are those of Eric Forkel and do not necessarily represent the views of Above180.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dustin J. Markowitz for Above180.com asking you the question, what happened to bowling? Today, we sit with a man who is a five-time PBA national champion, the 32nd member of the prestigious Millionaires Club, and a three-time bowling hall of famer. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Eric Forkel. Eric, thank you so much for being on the show today. Great to be here. Uh, well, I guess the first question I'll ask, which is kind of the whole topic, is uh, what do you think the current state of bowling is? Well, unfortunately, Dustin, all you got to do is look at the numbers, uh, your tournament play, league play, uh, scratch bowling in general, it's really gone down. It's kind of sad to see because, you know, I've been around a while, obviously, and I, I've seen a lot of the different trends, and I'm not very happy with this trend. I am in the pro shop business right now, and business is okay. But for the competitive scratch bowlers, it's, it's, it's not what it used to be. The action's not, not, not around like it used to be. It's mm-hmm. changed dramatically. Do you feel bowling has deteriorated over the last 20 years or so? I think, I don't know if recreational bowling, I think that has not, I don't think that's deteriorated. At least it doesn't appear that way. People still have birthday parties and, and they still have their get-togethers at the bowling center. But like scratch bowling and league bowling obviously has deteriorated. And I think it's some of the reasons we talked about earlier, if I had to say that. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's lost its luster in that regard. People just, they'd rather go spend their money on something else. And I think a lot has to do with the economy and everything else. It's just, to go travel to bowl tournaments, it costs money, it costs, you know, your rooms and everything. And from what you're playing, you got to have finished first or second to, to come out slightly ahead. That's not good odds. I mean, where the fault lies, would it be more on the associations, is it the bowlers themselves, the BPAA, or is it just a combination of all of the above? I don't know if you can blame exactly one thing. I think a lot has to do with the economy. <laughs> I think it's a lot of the price of gas. I think what is the travel time. I think uh, people would rather go spend their money on the weekends on something else. I just think it's changed. And, and it, you know, there has to be something really alluring to bring bowlers in to play. You, you, you bowl, people who bowl tournaments, they're diehards. You know, you see the same people all the time. But to bring in young bowlers like yourself, you know, obviously you love the game. That's why you play. Uh, to, to cultivate, you, you have to cultivate the young players. And I don't know if, if our sport or our game does enough to do that across the board. I know they try, but it, it just might be something that just won't, won't go. Well, I guess that brings me into, uh, again, you were a professional bowler for a long time. Um, do you feel that the PBA today is still what it used to be, trying to 
promote bowlers to be better, or do you think it's kind of gone away from helping the sport? I think the PBA right now, unfortunately or honestly, they're trying to stay in business. They're trying to make this thing, they're trying to cultivate whatever's left of it. It has changed dramatically. Uh, they, get, they don't bowl nowhere near as many tournaments as they used to during the season. That's why I think a lot of the guys, they go overseas to bowl now. That was never a thing back when I bowled out there. I've been removed from the tour now almost six years. 06 was my last year. And I started out there in 91. So I was out there almost 15 years. And I think, you know, I wasn't out there in the 80s when it was real. I thought it was great. And I think the 90s was really great. I think in the early 2000s it was okay. And I, I, I just think it started going the other way because of a lot of reasons. They lost sponsors. They lost... They just lost what, what it was, okay? And they, they keep trying to change it. And in their mind, maybe they're, they're making it better. But a lot of my friends still bowl out there. Obviously, Parker, Jason, Walter, the guys I talk to. And, you know, there's nothing else. So they keep doing it. But if you really honestly talk to them about it, they're not very happy. They're not <laughs> happy. It's turned into more of an international thing. Uh, they really like the guys who throw it with the two hands, who throw it real hard, and it looks exciting. I think they, they're promoting that, they're pushing that. I think they lay the patterns out that kind of favor that. I think they do, they're doing everything because in their mind that's what's going to make it something or get it going again. I don't think so, but I'm just my opinion. <laughs> Well, let me. Let's. Uh, that's kind of an interesting point that you brought the two-handed bowler Absolutely. phenomenon. Um, Absolutely. I, I know. I, as myself, obviously, as a young bowler, you know, I grew up in kind of the generation right before that two-handed phenomenon, if you will. You know, I was. I learned to throw one hand. You know, shoot spares, that right. kind of thing. Traditional. Traditional. Yeah. Um, now, I, I'm sure, uh, based on what you said, I mean, do you think that the two-handed might have taken away from that a little bit? Maybe try to promote too much of the. For example, if the kids coming up to throw strikes want to just look flashy rather than actually learn the game. Well, I, I think that has a lot to do with it, and because of the success of you know Oscu and and, and uh, Jason, I mean they're obviously very 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 good at what they do. I I don't know if you can go out and teach people that. I I know they try to. I just I you know you got to see if more people can do it really well. There's a, I've seen a few other ones, but nowhere near as good as those. I, I think it's a bit of an oddity. I don't know if it's a fad. Because I know that, you know, obviously they believe in it and, you know, they, they're actually trying to teach people to do it. The people who learn how to bowl the other way and then maybe they want to convert to that, I've seen a few people try it and they look terrible. <laughs> they're, they're, just, they're just awful. Now, I think if that's the way you learn and you get good at it and it's odd and people tell you it's wrong but you're really good at it, congratulations. And there's, you're always going to find unique people. It, when Mark Roth was great back in his day, they thought he was an oddity and he was strange. And look how great and super great he was. All that's been going on for years out there, you know. And I just think it's gone in a different direction. And quite honestly, I didn't bowl the World Series the last two years, but I went and watched a little bit. I seriously think the patterns are looking to favor that type of a game. And I, I mean. I just think that they, in their mind, the strokers or the tweeners, they're nowhere near have the same flash and excitement as watching the guys who throw it hard and put a lot of juice on the ball. They think that's going to sell the game. And maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know, but I mean, I, I don't think they're selling anything right now. I was going to say the numbers would tend to agree with you that the numbers well, really aren't and I, and I, don't, I just don't <laughs> think, I just I hate to say it, but I don't think people care as much. When they used to watch the show, I mean, I'm going back to the ABC days, obviously. That was, like, special. I just think it's lost its luster. It's it's not the same. And 
as a fad, maybe maybe it's just gone the other direction. And no matter what they try to do, no matter how they try to spice it, no matter where they put it or twist it or turn it, it, it just doesn't seem to be growing properly. They, I don't see sponsors running to get on board. It, it, if anything, they're losing tournaments. They're, and it's sad. It's really sad to watch because even when I was out there, you could already see the trend. You know, less people were bowling pro ams, and, and and just the trends going the other way. They can buy balls on the internet, or they can get them. The pro ams not that big a deal anymore. It's just changed. I remember bowling pro ams where there's two, three thousand people getting ready to waiting to bowl. Now you might have a couple of hundred, and it has changed dramatically. And I saw that all through the nineties, all the way to the end. So it's only gotten worse, Justin, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah, I, I know the numbers, uh, I, I don't have them right in front of me, but I, I did follow a little bit of the numbers, and they, they definitely go in, even when they, the buyout occurred, when the uh, the internet, uh, Microsoft gentleman, or yeah. what, I believe it was Microsoft, yeah. uh, bought the PVA. Sure. Back around 2000. Two, yeah. yeah. Um, we thought it was great. We thought they were going to save, and they did. They stepped in, at the they, they gave it the shot that it needed, because mm -hmm. we had, remember our first, we had a players meeting in Erie, Pennsylvania, when they came in and announced Chris Peters, and... Uh, Steve, I, I can't, of course, I can't think of his name. Uh, Steve Miller. Oh, Steve Miller, in. okay. He came in and they, and they just, you know, and they, the guys, we were all excited. We're going to be saved, you know. It's like, this, we're going to be, they're going to gonna take this thing up that was going the other way and they're going to make it something special. It's going to be internet. They're going to show matches on TV. It's going to be, so we're going to pay the players. And it was pretty exciting for a couple of years, kind of. And then it, then it hit that spot where it really started spying the other way. And you could, you know, then then they came up with the idea of the exempt tour with the points, and then every week everyone's looking around that uh, point thing to see what position they're in to see if they're going to be able to bowl next year. That changed, you know, that that just changed, created a lot more tension out there. I think I thought a lot more stress. Guys were more on edge. It just it just started changing. Hmm. I know the movie came out. Uh uh, League of Ordinary Gentlemen. I'm sure you yeah, saw it. I, I yeah. saw it. Yeah. Uh, I, I know. I, I thought use Wayne Webb as an example here. I mean, I'm sure with what you're saying, a lot of guys yeah. are probably went Absolutely. through that. You sure. know. Uh, yeah. Now, I, let, I mean, now, sorry to beat a dead horse, but let, you know, continue on with the PBA. Uh, you mentioned formats. Uh, yeah. I, I know a couple of the previous interviews that I did talking with, such as Steve Cooper and Butch Soper, said yeah. that the formats today have really hurt the PBA. Well, they they try to make it more of a. Um, because of, uh, how can I say this? They took a lot of what they do in tennis. You know, in tennis, you they play the sets. They play on a court. They play three out of five or two out of three. And they say, well, we don't want round robin anymore. We want to have these sudden death, death matches. And that's going to create excitement. You know, a loser leaves, goes home, and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, if you're an action bowler, maybe certain, certain guys who are action bowlers, they liked it. But the majority of the guys who like bowling round robin, you bowl everybody once. Top five, you know, go on Friday night, get ready for the show on Saturday. That last eight games around a match play, most exciting part of the tournament. They took that element away, and I always thought that that was ridiculous. But you know, I was of the old school, and that the new school was coming in. This is going to be exciting. This, and I guess it was. You know, they allowed PDW to be the way he really wants to be on TV, <laughs> incredibly demonstrative, and all the antics. They encouraged that. The old PBA kind of said, hey, come on, you got to be a little quiet and respectful. They, they took that away because they were, they were trying to, in my opinion, try to appeal to the younger crowds. But you know what? Our best demographics were always with the older crowds. Those are the people who supported the game and came and watched. 
you know what? You got that's your spot. That's what it was. You you rather have uh, five hundred senior citizens in there or twenty kids? <laughs> I'd rather have the numbers. It, but that's the way they tried to turn it and make it go. And they came up with the trick shots on TV and the guys throwing the ball over the chairs and all kinds of gimmicky games to try to make it exciting and something special. And the guys who are out there, they just keep doing it because that's their that's that's what they do. They need to make a living. But when you look at it from afar, it looks like a joke. It's just they don't have to do that with golf. They can keep golf classy. Bowling, they gotta make it cheap. They gotta try to come up with these gimmicks and games to help it survive. That's why it's it's it, to me, it lost credibility in that way, in my opinion. Now, they'll say, Eric, you're old school. You've got to get with the new times. I don't consider that new times. When I see them, when I see the pro golfers going playing miniature golf and watching the windmill come around <laughs> and hit the ball, when I see that, I'll say, you're right. If they're doing it, but see, they don't have to do it because that's a rich man's game. Mm. Bowling is blue collar. And they've got to come up with gimmicky, quirky ways that are supposed to be exciting. You, you, bowling can only be, bowling itself will create the excitement. You know, it just will. The personalities that the people have create excitement. Certain people are not exciting to watch bowling. I'm probably not the most exciting person to watch bowling, but if you watch, I love watching Pete Weber bowl. Unbelievably exciting. I'm, I don't get too excited watching Dave Arnold bowl. Dave Arnold's a good bowler, great bowler, was a great bowler, but he's very, very boring to watch. Well, they wanted excitement. The guys with the two hand going up there revving that ball, that's excitement. In their mind, so it's how you want to how you want to look at it, and that's the way that they have twisted and turned this thing. And you know, they're, they're trying. I guess they're still trying, but it's it's just you know, it, it's just it's depressing to watch. It's just depressing. You know, you, you mentioned uh, the almost the prestige of the game, so to speak, yeah. and. You know, I, I remember even myself growing up. I used to watch. Uh, you know, every Saturday afternoon, you, had, you know, you had Chris Ankle and Bo, and there, you know, and I, I, even now, I mean, as the listeners or my readers uh, would would vouch for, I mean, I'm 25, and I, I honestly don't even know half the time when the PBA is even going to be on TV anymore. Well, now they, you know, they film stuff. They put it in the can. It's mm -hmm. always on. It's you know, like they filmed the World Series a couple weeks ago, and they're going to show it like in a month or two from now. No, that was no such thing before. You bowled during the week. The TV show was on Saturday, or if it was ESPN, it was like on a Tuesday or Thursday or something like that. They've taken that live. They've taken live live tournament action away. They, you, they they made it like a TV show. They turned it in like a TV show. They film all these episodes and then they show it later. <laughs> well, that's like crazy. Let's play the Super Bowl today and whoever wins, then we'll put it in the can and we'll show it six months from now. Hey, there's your winner. Yeah. Well, other sports don't do that, but they did that to save money. They did that to save money. They don't have to take their set that in their mind they felt that they had to take from stop to stop. So now they can leave it in one place, film seven or eight shows, and guess what? They don't have to pay for all that cost to move it around. It's a money-saving thing. Well, okay, it saves them money, but guess what? To me, it cheapens the game. It cheapens the sport. You lose that live, you you lose it. It's just it just it's not the same. It's like it's like watching uh, old TV shows on those on those channels that show the old shows. You know, I mean, whatever. And I mean, yeah. I I can't even imagine being out there now and and going and going through that. It's just. It just seems so anticlimactic in a way. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't. well, let me ask you this now. Going obviously, you haven't been on tour for a little while, but you know, almost six years. Almost six years. Obviously, you, like I was mentioning to you before, the pioneer of the sunglasses, if I will. <laughs> well, I'd like, I'd like to say you're absolutely correct, but I, 
I'm, I know it, it, I'm almost thinking back in the day, I think Ernie Schlegel back in the 70s mm. might have had them on, on a couple <laughs> of shows. So, because I know Ernie would kill me if, he, if I said it was me, but I think Ernie, back when he, when he was the bicentennial kid, oh. way before me, <laughs> when he had on the outfits with the tassels and all, I think he did a couple of shows, he did have some funky colored glasses on, but the actual, I did it in 99 on the outdoor tournament, mm -hmm. because obviously we were outdoors, and they just happened to have a beautiful day. And the lane was so bright, and the, it was so much of a, of a of a gleam and a shine that I, I could not see where I wanted to throw it. So in warm up, I asked one of the one of the guys in the truck, the players, uh, Keith. I said, "Let me borrow your glasses." So I put them on, and all of a sudden, I could see the lane. I said, "Let me wear them." He goes, "Yeah, wear them. It's cool. You're outside." So I wore them. <laughs> so, and the funny thing was, Drew Carey happened to be at that show. He happened to be sitting in the front row. And he came up to me afterward. He goes, "Hey, you should wear. You should put those on all the time." And I'm like, "Wow!" To Carrie told me I should put them on all the time. So the next two or three shows I made, you know, indoors with the lights, I put them on. And it, and then people were saying, "Well, he wears the shades because he's smoking drugs before in his eyes." And I'm like, "No, you dummy. That is not the reason." I said, "I barely have a drink every now and then. I don't do drugs." I says, "I just thought he just said do it. It'll be cool." And you know what? I started doing it. And the last couple of years I was out there, I did it. Uh, whatever shows I made, I always wore them. And then, uh, then Petey, of course, then he started wearing them. And then he, I think he had Storm make some special ones. And, you know, he pulls it off much better because he's much more charismatic. And he does all the moves and the chop. And <laughs> he's got that flamboyance to him. I just did him because I, it worked outside. He's, I figured I'd try it indoors, and Drew Carey suggested it. So, <laughs> so I would blame Drew Carey for this whole thing. That's actually that's a, that's a great story. I like <laughs> it's a, true, it's a true story. Because the next time I made a TV show, it was in Akron. It was back in 2000 before I got injured. Drew Carey was there because he's you know his show at the time was from that that was part of his TV show. It was they filmed there. It had something to do with being in Akron, Ohio, or Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. His show, and he came to there for the TV show, and he goes, "Hey, I see you got your shades on again." I said, absolutely. <laughs> and he, he was really cool, actually, because he really liked to bowl. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time I made the show, he, he, I, I would send him a, a message, and he would you know, make a joke back. And after I got injured, he actually uh, called me one time at home to see how I was doing, wow. which I thought was pretty cool. And he did a charity thing for me about a year and a half later in, at, at Rocket Bowl in SoCal for a regional. Uh, part of his cast came out. He, he didn't make it himself, but he sent most of his cast. Wow. So, so he's very cool. Yeah. Um, let, let's go again a little bit off back and uh, off topic here from okay. the PBA, of course. Yeah. Um, I know one question. Oh, that, one more thing. By the way, I yeah. do wish them well. I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm still a PBA member. Mm -hmm. I bowl. I just don't bowl nowhere near as much because that's that was my other life, you know. Mm -hmm. But I hope they find a way to make it better. I hope it succeeds. They're, they're going away from the exempt field, in case you didn't know. They're gonna, they're, so to me, maybe they're looking the other, going to go back. You know, the going the big circle's coming all the way around again. I just don't know if they can capture what they had, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. But they're going to try, hopefully. Well, I, I guess, actually, well, before I get into my other question, that's interesting you mentioned that, too. I, that kind of makes me wonder. Um, do you think that the PBA can still redeem itself? Do you think that the PBA maybe needs to go back to an older format, or do you think well, that they... I th yeah, I think, I mean, I think anything's possible, but you're, you're still fighting the economy, you're still fighting all this, you don't have the same houses, you don't... It's it's not a true tour in my mind. You, we used to have a winter tour, a summer tour, you know, a winter, spring, summer, fall. It was, it was based 
And then they changed all that because they, they wanted to put it on at different times, and then it goes up against football. And I, I wish it would, would go back the other way, but maybe at this point in the sports world, with all the, ES, uh, all the cable, you know, maybe they just can't. I don't know that area. That's not my expertise. And maybe that has a lot to do with it. But I, I really wish they bowled 25, 30, 30 tournaments a year again. <laughs> That's the way. I mean, guys could actually make a living. Yeah. A, a good, you know, and, and it was always certain guys made more money than others because, you know, certain guys are just more talented. But at least you had opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now you get, what, 10, 12, 14 tournaments a year, maybe? If not, then you got to go the rest of the time. you got to go overseas. Okay. Well, I don't think that's a lot of fun. I was going to say, that kind of brings me to like even the regionals nowadays. I mean, now... No, nope. they, have nowhere, yeah. they, they average like 50, 60 entries. Now, I remember they used to be 100, 120. And so that's like half now. Because guys have just decided, it's I, I don't... For what the money I'm going to spend to get there, I'm going to spend four, five, six hundred dollars, and if I don't finish in the top three, I lose. Well, it's tough. How do you keep people doing this? I was going to say, I know even myself personally, I went out and did a, a little bit of the Vegas circuit. I did a few of the regionals, and yeah. I, I spent. I, I actually found myself personally, I'd rather bowl some of the tournament clubs for a fraction of the money and make more money actually bowling them. I mean, do you, do you feel the same way today? I mean... Yeah, fortunately now, I mean, I, I relocated to Vegas uh, about seven, eight years ago. And there's a lot of action in Vegas. There's local tournaments. There's stuff to keep me in the game. I don't bowl for a living anymore. I'm, I'm just a regional member, but I don't even bowl that many regionals anymore. I probably bowl two or three a year. And I used to bowl 10, 15, 20 a year. So it's just changed. That was just a different part of my life. I still like a little bit of the action on the weekend to stay in touch with it. You know, you you know, uh, you still want to be competitive even after you've had all your 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 real good years and your good time. You know, I I, I always say like I may not as may not be as good as I once was, but I can still be as good once as I ever was. <laughs> you know, what I mean, I, I can still have my moments. Yeah. I don't. I just, it's just, but I don't bowl 150 games a week anymore, and it's just a different different priority in my life. Yeah. But I still enjoy the game as much as it can be enjoyed because it's a very frustrating game. And I still want to keep my hand in it. But to do, a lot of people say, why don't you go bowl the senior tour? Well, when it comes to Vegas, I'll bowl a few. I enjoy that because I can be the young senior now instead of being the older guy in the regular tour like the last so many years. It's nice to be the young senior. It's nice. It is. Because there's guys out there 60, 65. I'm 51. I'm a young guy. It's a nice feeling. I, I find it. That's why I figured it's good. I hang out with older guys. I hang out with all my, a lot of my friends are 65, 70. It makes me feel young. Don't tell them that. But it makes me feel young. Uh, we'll, we'll take that off the record when we know. Hell, I tell it to them. I don't care. You I tell them that. I, I like hanging out with the old guys. Make me, you make me feel young. I tell them that. Well, I guess I, I got two final questions for you. Um, assuming for a second you're the be-all, god-all of bowling. I told you I was. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize, Eric. Uh, forgive me for no. Um, That's better. Yeah, but uh, assume for a second you are the be-all, god-all. That your word is, you know, the decree that you could change anything in bowling. Um, what would you do to say improve bowling for the next generation? What would you change? I would somehow try to figure out a way, and I don't know, to, to make people want to become the the, the elite of the, of the profession, to be the top professionals, and they have to play for a lot of money. They, they have to, someone has, you have to go out and make two, three million. You have to, you have to say, I make millions of dollars from a bowling ball. They've never had that, and they may never, they never can really have that, I don't think, but if they could, I think that would change a lot the way um, parents push their kids in a certain direction. You know, 
I just think money has a lot to do with it. And I used to, we, used to talk, we used to joke around about this out on tour. If you took what our tour does and the money we play for and gave it to golf and they, we took their money, I just think that would change the scope of everything. And, it, you know, I mean, we would become very relevant. At the, the professional bowling would be something. It would be all over everywhere. Now it's a, it's, it's a footnote hardly anywhere. Nobody really cares. Because, unfortunately, I, I do think if there's no money per se to play for, you know, it, it looks more like a hobby or just something to go do. You know, you're gonna you're gonna send your kids to college, and w then you know you they got to make it, go out and make a living. Well, if you see professional athletes are making all kinds of millions and millions of dollars in all these other sports, and, and you, if you saw that in bowling, hey, maybe that would change things quite a bit. You know, and I I, I know they try to promote it in that regard as a sport. I, don't, I always thought it was a very challenging game. I don't know if I would call it a sport. Now, if you had the money from golf... So basically, in other words... You or any, just, or, or yeah. any other... Not, I'm just using that Go, as an example. Okay. All these other professions where they can they sign these lucrative contracts and these people are superstars and they look up to them and they're, they plaster them all over everywhere and that you know you know who Tiger Woods is, you know who Albert Pujols is, you know who all these great athletes are because they're great, but they pay them ridiculous money. Well... I think if, let's say, if Jason Belmonte was making, I don't know, $25 million a year, I think people might know who he is, <laughs> as opposed to $25,000 a year. You know, see what I'm saying? I, I do think that has a lot to do with it. And I, I know it's, it's, it's two different things, but that's how people put, when they see dollar signs, now you're important. You take away all the people who have a lot of money, and you take their money away, and all of a sudden they're not that important anymore. They're just people who don't have any money. Money is is a big thing. It's what it creates things, you know. And the wealthy people, well, you know, that's just the way it is. Bowling, unfortunately, is a blue collar blue collar game or sport, if you want to call it that. Well, I guess that brings me to my final question. And uh, you know, this has been something I've asked everyone I've talked to. But basically, um, can bowling still be saved? Can bowling still can be brought back to what it used to be or better? I think. Things have to change in the economy. I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, I mean, we got an election coming up again. Who knows? <laughs> if things change there, maybe that will change things. I don't know. I mean, I just think it has to start there. People have to have more more um, money in their pockets to be able to spend it on the game. To go do. If they don't have the money, then then they're not going. They're going to find other things to do with their money. And obviously, if you're in the bowling business, you want you want them to come into your bowling centers and spend their money there. But if, if they don't have the money, what if they can't do it. So I think that it has to change there. And then maybe there's other things that people can do in our industry to make it better. But you can, you know, you can, you can like I, I tell, uh, sometimes I even tell my boss, I says, you know, I could stock the shop. I can make it look wonderful and great. I can get all dressed up to go to the ball, so to speak. But if I don't have a date, if nobody comes into the shop, I got nobody, I can't sell to air. So you got you. It's a good. It's not a bad product. It's a good product, but you got to have someone to sell it to. But they have to have money to be able to buy the product. If you don't have money to buy the product, then then you then you can't go do it. And I, I it's probably a, you know, that's how I look at it at least. So I think I think things can change, but it just you know it depends if you if, if everything else has to change first to make bowling come back maybe the way it was. Maybe it can. I don't know. I, I, it would be something if it did, because unfortunately, you know, bowling centers are closing left and right, and that's a shame. That's not a good sign when things are closing.
There's just not enough dollars to go around. I think that is the bottom line. And I certainly hope the economy does turn around. Because I know, from at least from your generation, my generation, and any bowler, I mean, no one wants to see bowling totally. Of course not. Like I said, it's a, it's sad. I mean, I, I still follow things online, and I still look at it, and it's really sad what what goes on now. And I, at least I was, I got a chance to get to be around when it was still something in my mind special. I wasn't there in the '80s, but I did get a good piece of it in the '90s when I thought it was special. And I, I, I never thought it would go away, to be honest with you. I thought when I got done with the regular tour, I would just go to the senior tour. But, you know, they still go bowl the senior tour, but they don't have any TV shows. <laughs> Those guys are out there just, they're just having fun out there. You, you can't make a living doing it. And I always thought that was the next place you would go from one to the other, but that's gone. And that, that was really sad, especially for someone who did it. That's what you always wanted to be, was a pro bowler. You know? So hopefully things will change. All you can do is hope. Well, uh, that's all the questions I have. Do you have any final words of wisdom for the guys listening or uh, at home, so to speak? <laughs> Stop bowling. Stop bowling. <laughs> no, that's not. No, no. Well, like I said, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I think this is a great idea. I'm looking forward to this. And, you, you know, you, you, it's a cool deal. So uh, I wish you a lot of luck with this. Oh, I appreciate that. Once again, this was Dustin J. Markowitz for Above180.com, sitting with Eric Forkel. Eric, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Check back in next week for another article talking about what happened to bowling. Good night.